This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, guys, what's going on? Welcome to yet another episode of the Temple of Hoop podcast. I'm your host, Coach Maples. Today's guest, we have somebody who is rapidly rising in the ranks of Laker Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and that was going on. We got Vinay. What's going on, man? Uh, I'm, I'm glad to be here, Jason. Uh, I'm very honored to be part of the Temple of Hoop podcast. Uh, I am very, very happy that you finally decided to speak your voice instead of arguing with people on Twitter. Uh, I uh, appreciate the compliment uh, about the rise on Lakers Twitter, but I'm just, just a regular guy, but uh, I'm, a, I'm a little relieved. I was stressed during the Lakers game. Uh, this is right after game three, uh, but I'm, I'm more relieved that the Lakers cleaned that game up in the second half and they won it. All right, right, right. Before we get into this game and what's, what else is going on, just do me a favor. Um, you've sent me a couple articles from your uh, – Charitra newsletter. Yeah. Give me a favor. Talk about what you do with that and just where they can find it. I think you, you you have a lot of good content on there just about the Lakers in general. So tell people they can find that before we get going. Yeah. So you you can find me on uh, Twitter at vkillem v k i l l e m. So I have a newsletter called Charitra, uh, and it's basically a basketball newsletter. Right now, it's mainly Lakers content, um, only because I don't have time to watch everybody else's games. Only a few games, but uh, I'm not a Big podcast guy because I feel like it's too much work. So that's why I think it's great that you're doing it. Um, but uh, I like to look at film and I like to write out my thoughts about things that I see on the basketball court and, and stuff like that. So basically it's a newsletter, um, just like any other newsletter, basketball newsletter. You sign up for it, you'll get like weekly drops of stuff that if you're a Lakers fan uh, that, that you'll be interested in seeing. And uh, for a few other folks, uh, I've been writing about um, some other teams. but it's just like X's and O's stuff. It's stuff that like film junkie guys like me that, that are interested in. And there's a little bit of data and a little bit of film because you got to have a good balance and not skew one way or the other. So right, right. Uh, it's, it's just to enhance the experience for everybody, basically. Good. And what a thought he said, he's not commenting on stuff. He doesn't watch. What a thought. <laughs> what a, what I mean, a noble thought. Yeah, I've been I've been watching some of the other games, but it's like usually all my commentary for like other teams is like, oh, these guys are playing really bad pick and roll defense. This guy's not rotating, right, 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 and so right. these game layups. But I'm not gonna be out there making blanket statements like this guy's this guy's legacy is on the line. Right, right, right. <laughs> that's good. So just <laughs> segueing into the Lakers, you know, we, we both are Laker fans. That's how we connected on on, on Twitter. Yep. Um, just what are your thoughts on tonight's game? Lakers, you know, won. It was an eight point win, but. I don't ever really feel that like the game was ever in, in danger. You know, they had started out a little slow, but they got control in the third quarter. I think once Anthony Davis got involved, 
and showed up to the game, it was it was pretty much a wrap for the Blazers. I just when LeBron and AD are going like that, oh, yeah. there's, there's not much you can do. So I just well, tell me what you thought about the game tonight. Yeah, I was gonna say, um, you know, the the first game it felt like is there's a lot of slippage. The second game it felt like the Lakers came out defending really well. Obviously, first game they missed a bunch of shots, and I felt like this game, uh, it was a tale of two halves. Like uh, Dame and CJ were shooting lights out. They were like eight of fifteen or something like that from three in the first half, and uh, there was some slippage on the defensive end by the Lakers. Um, but their offense was actually doing pretty well. KCP hit a couple of threes, and this was, I mean, this is game three, but Braun was rolling this game. Uh, Portland came out with that shell defense that they want to play with the two bigs, and I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be a problem because they they don't want they don't want nobody to take layups." But um, Braun hit his shots, and then the second half, the defense started getting their their claws into uh, the guards, and so um, you know, and then eighty showed up. Eighty was like kind of quiet in the first half; he wasn't really aggressive offensively, and then the second half, he was just I, he looked like what he did in game two; like he looked like more confident. Um, I kept tweeting that when he was taking his jump shots, it looks like he was jumping straight up. And I know that you tweeted before that he, he like fades away on his jump shots for some reason. And he's like seven foot one. It's just like, I don't know why he's fading away on these shots, but, right, right. um, uh, it, you know, they, they cleaned it up in the second half and, uh, I thought they were great. You know, uh, the second half is more indicative of the Laker team that we saw. And that half, um, was the first time I think I've seen both Braun and AD roll at the same time. Like yeah, that was that was good to see. They just it, it was at a point Portland just had to uh, had to just decide. Okay, are we gonna let which guy we let kills? When yeah. both have it going like that, I think the team is pretty unbeatable. So yep. um, that was good to see. Also good to see some jump shots go down, especially from LeBron. Finally, yeah. everybody there been there's all this talk about you know after even after a ten point game and thirty point blowout, which I wasn't complaining about, but there mm-hmm. was just a lot of talk about him individually about where he was so it was good to see him mm-hmm. kind of explode I'm glad it came after what Kawhi did yesterday kind of feeds a narrative between those two so it was good to see you know a fan of that fire to get that going you, th- you think they look at each other like, I mean they're, they're definitely watching each other they got nothing else to do in the bubble right 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 uh, you think they're watching each other's games and like to say all right he put up 30 I, I gotta come out and, and show up yeah, I think at the end of the day, they're they're both competitors. I mean, you know, I think I think in the back of my mind, I think Ka- Kawhi didn't come to the Lakers, you know, partly because of that competition factor, you mm-hmm. know. So it's good. I I get. I've said from jump when the Clippers and the Lakers are playing at their best, I think there's no two teams in the Western Conference better, you know. Yeah. So I think they're on a collision course, barring you know any type of you know injury, God forbid, or it's, or it's something unexpected happening. So yeah, yeah, that's good to see. I, so, I, I think they're also the two teams where when their guys are locked in on the defensive end, it's, right. it doesn't matter what you're doing on the offense, what any team is doing on the offensive side. Like it's, you're not going to, it's going to be like, it's going to be hell for the, for the offense. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I haven't seen that with anybody else, at least not on the West coast. So, I mean, maybe Houston for a few stretches, but they're playing OKC. So, yeah, get so just, looking at everything in, in just at a wide perspective, where are you with the, uh, what do you think about the Lakers? Just three games into this playoff run, three games into the series. What, what, what do you – good things, bad things? Like, what do you see? So I, I think the um, – I think the shooting is, is kind of rounding into form, and I think that's a good thing. Um, one of the things that I'm kind of surprised about is uh, – no, I mean, I'm not surprised about. The thing that it, it seems like, considering the fact that Vogel is a head coach and he's a very defensive first head coach, it feels like outside of that first game, They've been very, very locked in on the defensive end. But um, sometimes that comes at a cost, right? Like if you're focused solely on your rotations and game planning to make sure that Dame and CJ don't get loose, 
maybe you're not concentrating as much on your on focusing on your offensive shot. Maybe you're expending too much energy on the defensive side. So what's been good to see is that they've gradually gotten better and better uh, on the offensive end. Uh, the crazy part is even if they just shoot league average, maybe like right below league average, I think today they only shot like 30% from three. So it's like it's not like they shot some crazy percentage. Even if they shoot league average, like they're going to win by double digits against most teams. Yeah, I saw that. It, it was interesting. I saw that, um, you know, if the Lakers win the championship, they'll be the first team in a, in a decade to win it without being top 10 in three-point percentage. It was something crazy like that. They're 21st yeah. in percentage. So like they're, yeah, yeah. they're covering, like, new ground or kind of a throwback team, kind of like just not depending on a three. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So basically um, there's two big, uh, two big things I want to talk about. You being the guy who watches a lot of Laker film, writes a lot. Um, two issues that the you know Lakers fans have been just clamoring about, arguing about each other. All, I all mean, we, we, one of them all season. <laughs> so the, uh, the first thing is the uh, Vogel deciding to just ride out these uh, this starting lineup and the two big lineups were a good 10 to 15 minutes a game at least. Right. Um, either with the JaVale AD or JaVale, JaVale AD or Dwight AD. Yeah. A combo of those. Uh, I know that's a kind of a sticking point. They've looked kind of stuck in the mud when they play those groups. So how do you feel about that as far as the whole AD center situation and just – Go off. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my 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 biggest gripe. So I understand why the Lakers put AD at the four. They you know they don't want him banging down low. They didn't want to do that in the regular season. I understand it's the first round. It's the playoffs, and so they should keep doing that. Or you know now they can move him to the five. Uh, so the, my issue, my main issue with the AD and um, Javale or Dwight, less so with Dwight, but definitely with Javale at the start is. You know, a lot of Laker fans, knowledgeable Laker fans, said this. You're basically spotting the other team six to eight points because that's what it's been. That's exactly yeah. what it's been. Happen uh, Happen yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, it's not so much that it affects the spacing; it's that the very thing that we wanted Javale. So I understand defensively, Javale helps. Uh, you know, AD can run the floor; he can play help side, all that sort of stuff, or whatever he needs to do from the corners. And Javale is basically the rim protector. But the, the main issue that, that happens is on the offensive end, when the Lakers were running this during the regular season, they were still running like pick and roll lobs for JaVale. JaVale was getting dunks from mm-hmm. time to time. Not every game, but from time to time. But what seems to have happened is that in the bubble and as well as uh, the bubble and the playoffs, teams have scouted that out completely. They know that JaVale is going to stand in that like dunker spot right at that low block, kind of right behind the rim or mm-hmm. behind the backboard. And they know where he likes to come in to get that lob. And, When's the last time you saw JaVale take a lob from LeBron? Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, and so my, my thing is that I understand that you're keeping him there because you want to keep the defense there. You know, game two, he had a lot of, whole lot of higher energy. He was getting a bunch of putbacks, off of misses, all that kind of stuff. That's all great, but JaVale isn't just affecting LeBron's aggression by being on the court. He's also affecting AD's aggression because whoever is guarding JaVale is basically saying, I'll take my chances with playing two-on-one against you guys. But I'm not going to let AD and LeBron get, like, a free run once they beat their guy on the hip. And that's the problem. Um, I don't know if they're going to continue to do that moving forward because um, I think Portland uniquely has two bigs that play that way. They can play Nurkic and Hassan at the same time. And the, my only concern is that if Vogel continues to play this, it's going to encourage Anthony Davis to keep taking jump shots at the beginning of the game. Now, you're a coach. uh You've also played basketball before. 
a lot of times when you're in a shooting funk, uh, like game to game, if you've been having bad shooting stretches, you've probably heard your coach or you probably told your guys, go to the rim. If you can beat your guy, go to the rim, get a layup, draw a foul, take free throws. That's, then that way you can see the shot, the ball going through the rim in some form. You feel like you're doing something productive. That's actually funny because that's what happened to Carmelo tonight. He couldn't make right. anything. He got yeah. that put back layup. Yeah. And, and then got on, went on a tear. So yeah, that, that, that's a good, I'm same thing with you. I'm on the same wavelength. The main thing for me is the spacing. Yeah. Uh, you got these two great players in AD and LeBron. You just want to give them as much space as, space as possible to just work. LeBron driving AD and facing up in the mid post, attacking the yeah. rim. So when JaVale's there, just those opportunities just aren't the same. Um, I like that, you know, the closing lineup is always AD at the five. He's there yeah, always. With that. So the Lakers have been able to space the floor and let LeBron yep. and AD do what they need to do. Tonight was a – they closed the game great. The other thing before I go into the other issue, um, the other positive in the bubble that wasn't happening all season is the non-LeBron minutes have been really good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That was not an issue. The team, we were, everybody was crossing their fingers – Every time that they he subbed out off season because we just didn't know what was going to happen with the league. Part of that's no Rondo. Part of that is every, the team is just playing better, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it, working together. Eighty shot making has been much better in the bubble uh, when LeBron is not on the floor. Uh, I mean, like I said, I don't know if it's a mental thing with him or if it's something else, but um, I think in game two they blew the game open when LeBron sat. And then also um, in this game, you know, they, they opened it from like a one-point lead to an 11-point lead. And the other – something else I want to talk about is where are you with the Rondo situation? I know you got the <laughs> – he came back. They said get, get, uh, right before tip, he's not going to play. Um, collective side from Lakers Twitter. But where are you with uh, – I'm ready to just give him a suit at this point and letting him coach the team. Obviously, they have plans to play him. So what is your response to that? And if they have to play him, how would you do it? Yeah, so so my confusion really comes – so I, I, I don't know what capacity they could be playing Rondo in. The fact that they haven't been playing Dion after they played him for eight games in the bubble right, right. is is the thing that worries me. Um what compounds that is that the very worst lineups that Rondo was part of were the ones where uh, it was like Rondo and then two bigs, like AD and Dwight or AD and JaVale, or even at, at sometimes like uh, like just any two non-shooting guys. Like if it's Rondo and Caruso, right, both right. of them can't shoot, and they put Dwight on the court, something like that. And so um, I'm not very excited about seeing Rondo put the ball on the floor. Um it's not so much – I understand that he has IQ, and I'm sure he does. I'm, I'm sure he coaches. I'm sure he motivates. I'm sure he does all that. Thing. But this is something that I've talked uh, on other Laker podcasts. There is a difference between um, your IQ and your actual ability, right? It's like uh, as you get older in life and you know that you can't jump as high anymore, it, it doesn't mean that you're not a good player. You can't make those same reads. It just means that you're, you're not going to get it, and right, you're physically right. not able to do it. And my concern with Rondo is – his decision making is suspect at times, but his ability is not there. Like he's not hitting layups, he's not hitting contested layups, he's not making on target passes. But when you put Dion in that position, he's scoring. He's going to the rim, he's making contested layups. And in some cases, like we've seen him make drop off passes and stuff like that. And my biggest thing is this. How how do you allow Dion to play against the Clippers in the first game back in the bubble? and let him play against Denver, 
crucial. And, and, and yeah, and those and those lineups are rolling teams, right? Oh, we, right? We were rolling the other bench, and then go, ah, you know what? I'm not going to play him against the Blazers. So that's that's my concern. What is it that Vogel is doing, or how is he? How does he see Dion do all that positive? And, and it had a it had a positive effect on Kuzma. Had a positive effect on Caruso because they, they didn't have to handle the ball or, or set each other up. So. Um, that's my stance on Rondo. I, I'm, I'm trying to – I'm a superstitious Laker fan, so I don't want to badmouth Rondo because I don't want, like, to – I don't want a situation where, like, you know, like, I'm saying bad stuff about him and then he plays poorly and I'm like, oh, you know, I make myself more angry. So I'm <laughs> going to hope for the best when it comes to Rondo. But I, I just don't – I don't see it. Um, and my guess has been for at least this series, the reason why Dion is not getting burned is because Vogel is very, very worried about letting CJ and Dame get loose at all. They, I mean – you saw what JR did today, right? Three straight plays, he's lost on in pick and roll coverage. Gets layups, and then he fouls Dame, right? And yeah. I was just like, all right, all right, okay, I get it, I get it, Vogel. Yeah, yeah, I was just, I was confused why, because JR did not look good to me in, in, in any of the four minutes he played. So I was confused why he got in before Dion. Obviously, just on the outside looking, and you assume that Dion not being in the rotation is because of what he is because what he does defensively, right? So. My thing with Dion is he should at least be on the floor for the nine LeBron minutes because he's the only other plus shot creator on the team at this moment for me. Yeah. So I, I think agree. even that LeBron plays 35 minutes, give Dion the 13 he's off, right? And then just see what happens. Yeah. And just if you got to play him with Caruso to keep the defense plus, keep AD out there to protect the rim, let's mm-hmm. do that and then protect him defensively and let him shot create. That's where I think Dion should be used. So. Yeah, no, I I I probably agree with you wholeheartedly in in that regards. I mean, I understand like you're not going to put Dion on Damon CJ anyways, right? You're going to put Pope or you're going to put Caruso or you're going to put Green on one of those or even Kuzma on one of those guys. So that means that Dion's going to end up being he's going to end up guarding like maybe Melo or maybe like Anthony like they're playing Anthony Simons now, right? Like right, so right. it's like I I know Dion's not the greatest defender, but I can at least tell him, "Hey, Watch Simon. They don't even use Simons in any mix, you know, any misdirection or anything like that. They just have him bring up, bring the ball up the floor. He's, he's, he's a up. body. He's a body. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, so my thing is like, why not let Dion at least guard him and get some minutes on the floor? And I, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example of why. Today, AD hit like two or three jumpers like in a row in like right in that third quarter, right when LeBron sat and he was he was feeling himself and he was catching. But imagine if he doesn't. Imagine if they if Caruso and him keep running that pick and roll over and over again. And AD goes 0 for 3. And let's say let's say the Blazers score on the way back, right? They erase whatever that deficit is. Like, at least having – like, I don't know why Dame was trying to trap Caruso. Like, he like he's Dame, but yeah, – I was noticing. I was, I, I was confused with their Caruso. He's not yeah. shooting it well. I was confused about that. I yeah, was, but, I, but I would expect a smarter play. defensive team, or at least a smarter defensive guard, to be like, nah, Caruso can take that three, contested three if he wants, but I'm not going to let AD catch his ball that easily. So it's like those those kind of small things are the things that like I see and I'll be like, all right, it, it worked here, but like if that's if that's Paul George or if that's Kawhi or if that's somebody else coming off of that screen, he's not making that same mistake. They're just gonna run that switch. So that and I mean, for, from what I see, we're probably gonna get Houston in the next round. Houston switches everything, so now you have no advantage. There's no doubles coming on anybody except probably AD or LeBron's drive. So it's it's just you know. Um, like I said, I don't know what I don't know what capacity Rondo is going to be used in, but um, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that we get playoff <laughs> Rondo, and I'm praying 
uh, that we get playoff Rondo. And I want to be wrong about that. So any Laker fans that hear this, I absolutely want to be wrong about there not being a playoff Rondo. So you can always – people message me all the time. It's like, oh, you see what Rondo did? I'm like, all right, bro. Like, <laughs> where, where's this bar that we're setting here? So, all right. <laughs> right, right. So just – I just wanted to get some. First, we had to we had to we had to kick it off with some Laker talk. Just you know, segueing and touching on these other other series real quick. You just mentioned um, what Houston does. That series is now just two uh, one. Any yep. quick takeaways uh, from you? For me, just I had I picked OKC to win. Uh, what I didn't, you know, take into consideration, which showing itself heavily, is that uh, a lot of Chris Paul's success this year has been dependent on having. Uh, Forcing pick and roll switches on centers or getting centers in bad situations, and Houston doesn't play one, so yeah. he's having a tough time getting a guy on him that he can beat off the dribble, and it's really slowing down the OKC half court offense. Yep, like Schroeder and uh, Shy really got going today and pushed yeah, them over did. the top. So, so, where are you with that series, and kind of where do you see it going from from here? Yeah, so uh, even before, so I only thought Russ was going to be out game one. Um, or and maybe at worst game two. So I didn't expect him to still be out now, but I, I picked Houston anyways. Um, and the reason, the main reason why is just kind of shot making. Um, Shea, it's his first time in the playoffs. I don't know how he'd respond to it. Schroeder, like again, like any advantages that, oh, oh sorry, OKC loves to run that three guard lineup. Uh, and against a team that just switches everything, like yeah, right. there's no tough, advantages. Tough, yeah, 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 there's no advantages. And really, I thought the only advantage that the OKC would have is if they could keep Adams on the floor and he's rough. scoring at the rim and he's been, been terrible. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like I just watch him hit the floor as he gets a chair pulled out on him in post-ups or entry passes and stuff like that. So, I mean, I, I didn't think that I thought OKC would give him some trouble. They did today, but you could see what it took for them to give them trouble. Yeah, um, so I will say that Lugans Dort, Dort love that kid. big fan already. Been, he has been f- fantastic. Uh, I, I have not seen defense play like that against Harden. I, I can't recall somebody being able to just c- consistently contain Harden and just make him take tough shots. He made some – I give it to Harden. Harden made some tough shots, but yeah. not let him break you down and force help and have him hit tough shots. I have not seen a player uh, be able to force Harden doing that, so he's been extremely impressive. Yeah, I, I agree. That, that guy's a revelation, and they got him for cheap. He's so. on a four-year deal at, like, damn near league minimum. It's crazy. <laughs> They, they got a they got a gym there. They got yeah, a, he's great. He's solid. Yeah, just uh, all right. Moving on to Denver and, and Utah. Um, so, surprise series for me. Denver had, had looked so good at times in the yeah. startup at the bubble. Um, got to give Quinn Snyder credit. He has exposed every defensive weakness that Denver has. Uh, Porter is a special scorer, but as special as he is on offense, he is. <laughs> Murray he's all, special on yeah. defense. Murray, we all we all knew, uh, you know, he's a, you know, up and down scorer. Yeah. Uh, consistency wise, bad defender. Uh, Jokic's not a great defender, so it's just Quinn's been able to expose that, and then Donovan Mitchell just taking a leap into superstardom on top of that with this series. So, uh, just where are you with that series? I had Denver in six. Uh, I, yeah. I don't know. If it's going to get, I don't know, it might be Utah in six the way it's looking like if they don't play better defense. Yeah, I, I picked Denver in seven. Um, we I mentioned it right before we started recording. Like, the, the margin of victory between the, all their games have been, like, all single digits. And my personal rule is always if you lose by single digits, assuming it wasn't, like, uh, one team coming back from behind late, um, usually there's small things that you can tweak or small execution things that you can fix or matchup things that you can fix. 
So that loss turns into a win. And, I mean, it, this series seems like it's almost like who's going to play more defense. And it seems like Utah has been doing that. And exactly like you said, uh, Mitchell's shot making has been sensational. He's keeping Gobert involved. Uh, Royce O'Neal um, has done a pretty good job on Jamal Murray. Like some and guys, got, you, and they got Conley back. Yeah, and they got Conley back. That's huge. I, I thought the most interesting thing uh, that I saw was uh, Jokic looks. Jokic looks like you know um, in the Laker game, Nurkic looks like he was gassed. Like by the end of the third quarter, I think they they mentioned on the broadcast. But even Jokic looks like he's gassed. And um, one of the things that I thought was really interesting, um, one of the things that like it's been in the back of my mind is these guys. A lot of these guys are only getting a one day break. Like I, everybody's only getting a one day break in between. And you know, Laker fans have talked a lot about you know LeBron looks good here, doesn't look good here. He's missing shots here. He's making shots there. That sort of thing. And I wonder if like the one day breaks, granted they're not doing any travel, is catching up to them uh, to some degree. Because like, I like I was watching Jokic play, and it's not even like he's he doesn't see where the defensive rotation is. It's just like he's not even trying to get there. He's just like yeah, I'm think, not going to make this. You know, I have to give this excuse out there, but uh, not excuse, but it's just reality of what happened. Uh, he did have COVID, right? Did, did, yeah. Yeah. So that we still don't know the long term effects of that. Mm-hmm. On top of that, he's a center. He lost a lot of weight over. Yeah. So I wonder if I wonder if all that's related as I watch him play. Uh, it's not an excuse, just kind of you know why they're in yeah. the bubble because you know stuff that happened in real life. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think about all that now that I evaluate that series. Um, to me, it's just been fun. You know, I give Brooke Gobert a lot of crap on Twitter, <laughs> but he's, he's been very good. Uh, he's good at what he does. I'll say that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I just I've always been a big Mitchell guy. He caught a lot of flack for some reason, but. You look at him, he's gotten better every year. He's struggling in the playoffs like a lot of young guards do. That It's, yep. it's what it's what happened with you. He has yep. a lot on his plate, and he's a young guard, so his struggles are, you know, they happen. Yep. Um, but I, he, his turn, him turning the corner, just putting him at point guard, just has completely unlocked his game and just freed him to taking the wings off. He's making great decisions, making – making, I think his PPP was off the charts. It's like almost like a 1.4, which is ridiculous. Yep. Yep, I I was going to say that, like, um, guys like Mitchell, guys like Tatum, guys like, uh, who else am I thinking of? Like, guys like Murray, like, there's, there's like, this mold of guards. Some some are 6'2", some are 6'4", some are 6'6", that they're, we have to, like, you you guys probably, you probably already do this, but it's just, like, they're scoring guards. Like, we have to stop calling them point guards and shooting guards. Like, there are, there are guys who, whose best ability is scoring, but they're, they're not they're not like Chris Paul level passers, but they're pretty good passers. They right, make the right, right reads. They can, they can pass. <laughs> they can pass, right? Yeah. And so I, I feel as though Mitchell is like one of those guys. Like he's he has a knack for scoring. He can pull up in mid range. He can pull up from three. He can get to the rim. He can finish through contact. But he has just enough passing ability and vision where he can keep guys like Gobert involved, or he can make a kick out pass to the corner and stuff like that. And I think like as basketball kind of evolves and the way that we look at basketball evolves, that, that terminology will change. We won't look at Mitchell as, well, this is their two and Conley's their one. Uh, we'll look at it like, okay, Mitchell is the scoring guard for this team. Whenever he has the ball, you have to worry about him scoring from anywhere and everywhere. And we, we've seen that happen with forwards, right? Like Luca is a forward in size, but they use him like a point guard. Point guard, right. Yeah, right, he's a scoring true. forward. That's what he is. Um, and Kawhi is another perfect example of that. Like, he's not the playmaker. He is this year. 
but his, you know, like he's becoming a better passer and better playmaker, but he can flat out score. So you have to guard Kawhi as a scorer. You have to respect that. But once he starts adding in these other wrinkles, he's dropping passes to Zubak and all that sort of stuff. That's when now it's like, oh, all right, now this is a problem. He, he's more than what we thought he was. Yeah, that was it's tough. Just, yeah, that was great. Moving on to the, you know, the Clippers Mavs series, that was a great way. Yep. Just, um, uh, unfortunately, you know, the Luka injury, we don't know. At, at, yeah. the, at the least, it looks like he'll be impaired even if he plays, right? Yep, yep. But, uh, just watching him, uh, kind of be the best player in the series two games in, and then Kawhi come out game three and was like, okay, that's enough. <laughs> I was just, you know, it's, it's fun watching that stuff in the playoffs, though, right? Yeah. It's fun a great player. Yeah, like, you know, it's like, nah, not yet. Not yet, young Padawan. <laughs> but seeing Luka just not be intimidated by the by the Clippers trying to just yes. muck up the game and push and, and, and shove and get real physical with them and him not back down to that and him actually bringing the best out of Kawhi is, you know, it's been very – just very fun to watch. Like I said, I, I was I said this months ago. I, I was wrong on Luca Dunk, uh, Luca from jump. I've admitted it. He is a truly special player. Yep. Be you know a top five guy in the next year or two here. Obviously, I, I think so. Just the way he controls the game. Yep. yep. The Mavericks probably add one one or two more pieces. They're a contender. Um, just where are you with that series? Obviously, it's, it's changed now with Luca out, and I just think the Mavs the Clippers are probably going to win. Maybe this uh, Mavs steal one, but I think the Clippers yeah. are going to win in, in, in six at the most. So where are you with that series? Yeah, so uh, I actually picked the Clippers when I made this pick. Uh, I picked the Clippers to sweep. I didn't actually think the Mavs would take a game from them, only because I thought that the Clippers' defense would come out, like, super sharp. And, um, and exact it, opposite. It, 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 yeah, and, it, and it's, no, yeah, it's, it's, no, um, it's no, like, uh, disrespect to the Mavericks. Like, I get that they got a historic offense and stuff like that. But I thought the Clippers would do exactly what you said. They'd just muck it up with them and get, get like, in everybody's heads and, and get real physical. And um, they did that to some degree in the first game. And Porzingis got ejected. And the Mavs responded. But um, I don't see any – I don't see the Clippers, like, losing in, like – I mean, I, I think it'll be, like, a general, they'll lose in five. You know, I think the Lakers wrap up theirs in five and, and the Clippers wrap up theirs in five. Um, you know, but – uh, I think outside again, Luca's been phenomenal. Um, I think I have no idea why Rick Carlisle keeps playing Kleber, uh, Maxi Kleber on Kawhi because it's it's like almost a, like he's doing Cone nothing. It's yeah, it, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like it's when the Lakers put Pope on Kawhi, it's just like all right, this is like this is easy Workout money. time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, I, I don't even know if they'll even if Luca plays, I don't know if the Mavs steal it because they have to have like a really great shooting game. Or, or play really, really great defense. That was, that was my thing. Cause even even before Luca got went down, I was like, I saw the second quarter when the Mavs started, when Clippers started playing. I was like, okay, this is what the regular season games look like, and this is why I said Clippers in yep. five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, I agree. You're right. And I, and I thought the Clippers would, even if they have lapses in defense, I thought that they would like at the end of games close them out and stuff like that every single time. And I mean, they have for two games, but um, I mean now, like you said, with Luca hurt. I, I don't know uh, if I if I expect much out of it. But the one thing I will be watching is to see what happens with the Clippers' point of attack defense because their really point bad. of attack defense has been absolutely terrible in this yeah. series. Yeah. And they're getting beat off the dribble by – and these guys aren't bad players. They're still good players. By Curry, by Trey Burke, um, even Kristaps is just – I mean, Tim Hardaway, too. TSJ, too. He's yeah. Yeah. And he's, he's – yeah. And the, Tim Hardaway, I don't know why Rick Carlisle lets Tim Hardaway do isolation play against Paul George or anybody, but, you know. He, that's what he wants to run, but it's, it's, like, it's, 
Yeah, it's just tough, man. I, I, not tough, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm watching those games with no emotions. Yeah. So I can just enjoy them. <laughs> but, no, no, I agree. Oh, yeah, just, I, I'm watch, watching with the just the, the Carlisle Doc Rivers. Uh, yeah. uh, the first couple games I'm watching, I'm like, uh, the Clippers have a talent. Obviously, they got Kawhi, Paul George, a bunch of guys that can play. They just looked very unprepared for what the, the Mavericks were doing. Yep. And it just let me. It got me thinking down the line. Like, okay, what's going to be in the next line when he's next round? When he's going against, you know, Malone or or Snyder, right? Right. Yeah. We're good the tactical guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm a little worried about that. And then the, I think the Clippers, uh, the Lakers do this to an extent with Rondo, with the the politics they play with the uh, with the playing time. I just <sighs> there's no way. Um, I watch how the team defends with Trez on the court. I watch how they defend with Zubac on the court. There is a starch, like a just, there's just a difference you can clearly yep. see, and yet Trez plays a, a hell of a lot more. <laughs> more. Yeah. And then uh, I I told you my feelings about Lou Williams, like he's a good scorer, but on yep. the other end he'll he'll give it back and, and then some. So what do you think when you watch the? I know you don't study the Mavs like you do study the Clippers like you do the Lakers, but what, what do you think with that? Yeah, I mean I I, I do. Are you asking me what what adjustments I think the Mavs should make as it relates? What do you think? With, what do you think about the Clippers as far as their rotations and you know maybe not so, playing the ideal guys at certain yeah. times? Yeah, so me, I, I've told you this offline, that I've told you this on Twitter DMs that I don't, I'm not, I'm out on Doc Rivers being a good adjustments coach. I think his adjustments are very straightforward. Um, I think the Clippers' philosophy has always been, at least with this current roster, has always been, if. Uh, Kawhi, Paul, George, and whatever that starting lineup is, which is like their best defensive line where they have Pat and Zubak and stuff like that. Um, if they build a big enough lead or like a seven to eight point lead, then I'm going to put in Lou Williams and Montrez to just keep pushing the pace of the game and try to score as many points as possible. <laughs> so he knows that they're not going to be defending well, okay. but he just expects them to outscore each other. Um, but when they don't do that, then he's got to get real tricky with Kawhi's minutes. Kawhi's got to play more minutes or Paul George's got to play more minutes. And, um, as it gets like later and later into the into the games and stuff like that, like the end of the third quarter, um, Doc likes to do this thing where if he has like a five, six, seven point lead, he'll play this real like this ragtag lineup, and like it'll be like um, who am I thinking? Rodney Magruder. It'll play like guys that like should get no minutes in their rotation <laughs> unless it's like injuries, and he's literally just doing that to buy minutes for his guys. Right. And then eventually he tries to close out the game uh, depending on what the score is. If it's a close game. Then he'll run George, Lou, Kawhi. Maybe he may run Zubak. Maybe he may run Jermichael Green. Or he'll do Montrez. And he'll do, like, Marcus Morris, right? Yeah. And my thing has always been, and you pointed this out astutely, and I think a lot of people retweeted you on that. If you have Montrez and Lou on the court, we understand that they're not good defenders. But if Lou is taking shots away from Kawhi, nobody should be shooting except Kawhi. Nobody. Not even Down, the, down the stretch, yes. Down the stretch. <laughs> yeah, nobody else should be shooting. Kawhi will get his shot. He is... So big, so strong, so disciplined that he's going to get the shot that he wants from wherever he wants, assuming he doesn't get double teamed or, to be honest, assuming he's not playing Braun because Braun mm-hmm. is a big physical guy or, you know, if he's not playing guy. Like I that. love watching those two go at it, but that's one of my funnest things to watch when those two yeah. guard each other. It's just fun to watch. Yeah, so it's – I don't trust – the thing I don't trust about Doc is up until that point, him making the right decision at times because I think these last two games that the Lakers have won, the difference has been – uh, the bench play against the Clippers bench play. And like I said, we had Dion for game one, just go out there and play basketball. And that Dion Caruso and Kuz lineup just rolled that whole Clippers lineup. Granted, they didn't have, um, I think, Lou Williams and Montrez uh, for those minutes, but they still had like Reggie Jackson and Paul George and those guys on the floor. Yeah. So that's my thing. Um, and 
I mean, the thing that everybody's been clowning the Clippers for, I mean, a lot of Laker fans are doing it. What version of Paul George are you going to get to show up? I've said that. And people think that people took it the wrong that People get upset. I was like, no, because in, the, in theory, Paul George should fit right next to Kawhi. He's a right? great spot-up shooter. Yep. He's more comfortable in a, in a secondary role. Don't have to ever worry about closing a playoff game. Kawhi will always put it on his shoulders. But you just – I don't know whether it's pressure or it's just bad luck, but sometimes it's in these big moments, man, he just doesn't – just doesn't come through, and I don't know if Kawhi can rely on him deeper in the playoffs. Because against the Lakers, I think I said this: the Lakers and the Clippers, both teams have to be the best version of themselves to beat the other. The, the margins, yeah. the margins are that thin. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Absolutely, is is neck and neck. Um, the depth, maybe sort the Clippers, but at the top you got AD and LeBron. But just overall, it's it's this thin. It's like paper yeah, thin. I agree. So I, you I, just, I, I, I think uh, if the Lakers do end up playing the Clippers in the finals, you know, barring anything, I think both fan base, because I know I don't follow Clipper fans. I know there's some that follow me. I usually argue with most of them because they don't like anything I say. Like, you can't say anything bad about the Clippers. I remember you told me. Yeah, I was just like, I don't know. Like, am I not allowed to say that this guy's not playing well without you guys getting mad? Whatever, it doesn't matter. But I think, but I know that there are Clipper fans that are not big fans of Doc and his rotations at times, too. They've been saying that Zubak should be closing games and Doc. I don't know why, but chooses not to put Zubak in games, especially when, like, the other team has a big, big, like, another big. Um, yeah, Boban, Boban it, played Trez off the court. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Boban's just, yeah. So. Yeah, so I, I think if they play each other, the fan bases are going to be pissed at both of their coaches, depending on who wins and loses these games. Right, right. Because whichever coach makes the wrong rotation play is, I mean, I, hey, I don't, you know, Vogel could lose a job. He may not lose a job. He just got it, but. Same thing with Doc. We don't know how long Doc's extension really is. I mean, they could be looking to flip, flip the whole coaching thing and, and figure things out. Clippers got a lot of talent. They've sold out completely now after getting Marcus Morris. So they got to win in these two years because Kawhi and Paul George are going to ask for those 10-year, 35% extensions. Right, That's right. a lot of money, even yeah. for a billionaire. So yeah, um, With the COVID cap crunch, you just never know. So that absolutely- Yeah, you never know. But, yeah. Yeah, so just kind of, you know, segueing on a kind of a, a – not a darker summer, just, just a different conversation. Obviously. Um, a lot's been made about um, Trez and Luca got into a couple skirmishes on mm-hmm. the court. Uh, one of them, um, Trez had flopped, or Trez had flopped earlier in the game. Lucas yeah. had stopped flopping. Uh, later on, I think Trez had scored a bucket in contact against Luca. Started jogging down the court, and then he said, "You know, bitch ass white boy." Yeah, it just caused a, a stir. There's a hot mic. No people are in the gym. The lip, yep. There's actually lip red, actually. So yeah, it was lip red. Yeah, hot there, mic there was no mic. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, just before, like you, you know, you're not black, but you are a person of color. But by, just real quick before I hand it to you, um, my thing was, first of all, I wish Trez had not have said it. Just with the climate we're in and just everything yeah. going on, NBA has got message on the back of jerseys about equality and coming together. Yep. Um, I just wish he hadn't have said it. Uh, however, I will say there's two things. One, heat of the moment and actually in a, in a highly competitive sporting contest. And then two, what's making me upset is the people who are trying to flip this. Well, if Lucas said, you know, bitch ass black boy to Trez, everything will be up in, uh, in flames now. Right. So my thing was for those of you saying that there is no historical precedent for a black person calling white person boy. When a white person calls a black person boy, there's historical precedent going all the way back to 
slavery when they used to acknowledge their property, which is blacks. White people used to acknowledge their black property, which is slaves as boy. And even through the Jim Crow era where white people used to call grown black people, grown, grown black men boy, mm-hmm. uh, create a social hierarchy. Like I'm more valuable than you. Mm-hmm. So it just doesn't hit the same when you say if you switch it that, you know, we would want Lucas suspended. It was like, no, there's no historical precedent there. Right. And there's no, how can I put this? There's no, you know, there's no power dynamic there with, you know, with black, white power dynamic there. Right. So right. just give me your thoughts on that and just how you took it. I know you're not black or white, but you are a person of color. You have dealt with some things. So yeah. Just go ahead and I take mean, that away. For, so for me, it's not just, I haven't dealt with it because I'm not black. So that part I can acknowledge. But at the same time, I've played enough basketball where I've seen that kind of behavior happen and I've seen that kind of language used um, <clears throat> in different contexts, right? Like I've never seen, in my experience playing basketball, I've never seen white folks be on the court racist to black folks. Your experience, you may have seen it. Somebody may have slipped it out. Somebody in a heat of anger. You, you know, you deal with it the way it's supposed to be dealt with there on the court or however it needs to be dealt with after the game. I've never experienced it. But I have heard people use the term white boy when they're describing a white guy on the other team, all right? Like, I'm Indian, okay? But people, majority of the time, when I, when I step on the basketball court, they think I'm Hispanic. Like, I've had games, like pickup games, where I make, like, a game-winning layup or a game-winning jumper, and people yell out Ginobili. Like, am I getting upset? Like, I'm not going to get upset by that, you know? Like, I, I can get upset, and I understand that it can be offensive for some other folks. But the other thing that, like, the thing that I'm trying to explain is that there's no maliciousness behind that, right? Okay. Trez, Trez doesn't have a history of being that type of person. He doesn't have a history of antagonizing folks like that. Of all the Clippers that are on that roster that antagonize folks, Trez is not that high up on it. You know, like Trez and Lou are like pretty far down. They're like nice guys. They're, they're um, emotional and they're expressive, but they are what they are. And the other thing is this. People are taking a basket, in my opinion, okay, People are taking, I had a back and forth, I sent you the message, but people are taking, whether they weren't watching the game at all and they just kind of jumped in on it. Politicizing. uh, Yeah, and people are taking a basketball thing and turning it into a racial thing. And if you have ever played basketball and you're in a game where, whether it's pickup, it's rec, it's competitive, it's D1, whatever, whatever level, when you're in a heated matchup against somebody, and you score a really tough layup on them, right? You don't get the foul call. I've heard people yell and one. I've heard people yell foul. I've heard I've heard people yell weight room. I've heard people yell, you know, like, oh, he's weak. Russell Westbrook does that rocking the baby thing, right? right what do you right. think he's saying when he does that, right? You're too he's, little. <laughs> yeah, you're too little, right? He's talking about you being weak. You can't handle that, right? When Trez flopped, Luca looked at him and said, like, stop flopping. We know that flopping in the NBA or flopping in basketball is pretty synonymous with just that, that's weak. That's not a real defensive play. It's, it's a right. weak defensive play. So when Trez then goes to the post and scores on Luca, you know, like in a one-on-one and turns around and calls him weak, minus the white boy part, the white boy is like, it's not even really part of that conversation. I know he said it, so I can't say that, oh, you know, ignore that part. But I'm saying that white boy is not malicious. He's really just calling him weak. That's what yeah. it is. There's no other, like, what is it? What is it? Is, is, is a weak Luca? You're weak Luca? He's not going to yell at He's going to get asked for that, right? So, and, and like I said, uh, like you said, it, it wasn't on a hot mic. It was lip read. Somebody, the camera was on Trez's face as he was walking back, and somebody lip read that and said, oh, this is what Trez said about Luca. And then it, and it caught a flame. And my thing is, in the heat of a basketball competition, two people calling each other weak 
is common. If I score on you and you come back and score on me, you may not even say weak. You may say, like, I may say, oh, that's weak, and you may call me a bitch. (laughs) I've had that too. You know what I mean? Like, that that is the way it happens. But at the end, there's no, there's no, like, race, like, there's no racial thing about it when that happens. I guess I was just more upset about the, you know, they, there were these extreme white right wing media guys who have yeah. it out against the NBA because they, you know, are choosing to take choosing to let their players express themselves from a social justice standpoint. They take it as an opportunity to gaslight. The oh yeah, yeah. That, that's what irritated me about it and why I wanted us to just kind of air it and have a conversation about it. Yeah, so yeah, that's, that's what I, me. Obviously, you, you saw Clay, Clay Travis. Obviously, yeah, guy said he's okay. not even watching. He said he's not even watching NBA basketball, and yet he <laughs> finds a way to put that on there. So. It's it's this is the nature. I mean, look. Unfortunately, uh, the NBA. Not unfortunately, the uh, or sorry. Unfortunately, politicians have decided to use NBA content as part of their whole routine year, right? And the NBA, all they're trying to do is obviously raise awareness about Breonna Taylor's murder and all these other things, Black Lives Matter movement, all these other things that are important to the African American community, and that's great. They're, they secured like three hundred the NBA Players Association secure like 300 million from the owners funding for all these neighborhoods or whatever. And so that's all good. But as fans, I think we like, that's why I prefaced my tweet from the very beginning. If you've played basketball before, (laughs) this is nothing new. Like this is, there's no racism behind what's being said. Right. And I think that I would hope that that's what folks want to do. But again, I think you put it perfectly. Like it is not a conversation for Twitter. Nobody cares. Nobody, nobody cares on Twitter. You know, like yeah, it was. That's why I was trying to stay out of it. It's just it's yeah. hard to explain something like that in a hundred. It's in a hundred and whatever characters we get, man. Yeah. So you me just kind of when people ask me, just kind of duck around it. Yeah, like, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. I, <laughs> like, what, I mean, but what can you do, right? Like, yes. unfortunately, I think I think the the guys on NBA Twitter that are just trying to enjoy and discuss the game. They keep getting people keep trying to loop us into these conversations that don't have anything to do with anything, and and. I've said this on another podcast, and so I'll say it on yours. Um, fans need to understand, white, black, Asian, whatever, it doesn't matter. You need to understand that in America, in sports in America, the bar, okay, the threshold for um, condemning a black athlete is very low, okay? That means that Trez can say one bad thing and lose his career over it. But in other facets of life, whether it's politics, a corporate job, stuff like that, people have to go through HR. They get reprimanded, but right. they don't lose they don't lose their entire reputation off of that. And I'm not saying that what Trez said is good. I understand that some people are offended by it, but fans need to realize that these media folks that are that are just Agendous. Agendous. they're just like us. They're just watching us. They just get paid paid for their opinions. Their threshold is much lower. So the guys like Clay Travis, the Jason Whitlocks. It takes nothing. It, all it takes is LeBron going and taking a layup with his son at one of his games for him to have an entire thing piece on stuff like that. And we have to be – I think that we should condemn guys like that. I block them. I block almost all of them. And, but we just have to be better. Like we can't, we can't get into this cycle where we're doing this kind of thing where it's just like, oh, Trez said this, like, or Draymond said that, and now all of a sudden we got to, like, you know, like he's out. He's canceled and stuff like that. Like just, right, right. Yeah, just use common sense. That's all it is. It's all about pushing the game for, I mean, that's why I had you on here. Like I said, I, I've sold certain cats, you know, we've argued, disagreed many times, but yep. at the end of the day, uh, we both come from a place of, you know, good faith where we believe what we believe. And at the end of the day, we can shake hands and say, I agree, disagree. I respect where you're coming from. 
And I think that's if we can get everybody to that place where it doesn't become personal or anything like that, I think just the discourse in general will become a lot better, right? Yeah, I've I've joked with you that you're the only guy that I know on Twitter, only person that I follow, maybe outside of Bansky, but he does it all. That's his that's his stick. He does it that can simultaneously piss off three or four different fan bases <laughs> in one day. In one day, first it's it's uh, Ingram. Lakers should never let Ingram go. So the Laker fans get mad at you, and then Ingram is better. Ingram needs the ball, not Zion. So the Pelicans fans get mad at you. And then it's like, uh, you know, Paul George is not playing up the AD standard. And now the Clippers fans are mad at you. And then it'll be something about, you know, I don't know. Some, I mean, you're in the Bay Area, but sometimes the Golden State Warrior fans get mad at you about stuff. But it's just. Oh, uh, yeah. Just I like, keep it real, man. You know, just <laughs> I don't tweet with an agenda. That's my just got to be honest, man. Yeah, yeah definitely. Oh, yeah, y'all. Just before we get out of here, just want to remind you guys again, please follow Renee on Twitter, V. Killam. Um, subscribe to his uh, newsletter, Shaditra. Mm-hmm. Shaditra. <laughs> You'll get it eventually. I know. I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> man. I, I want, I want no, you to no, no. It's all right. It's, 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 yeah. it's in a link in his bio. He has a tons of go. good articles about the Lakers. He's got film embedded. He breaks it down very well. He's seen me a couple. He's got one that's going to be really good. It's actually not Laker related, but I think that that's, that's something that's been talked about on Twitter. I won't spill the beans. <laughs> <laughs> but they got an article that's really good. It'll probably released around draft time. So I just want to thank you guys for tapping in. Hit that follow, subscribe button. Follow Bonet on Twitter at VKillum. Uh, follow, subscribe to this podcast. Give me some feedback on Twitter. I will gladly engage with you. Keep it, keep it respectful, though. Keep it respectful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Thank you for tapping in. We are out of here. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.